Praise God. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Chris, Sister Shulman, would you have your mother stand and give a testimony? Two weeks ago, they told me that she had, is it third stage? Third stage? Third stage cancer. And they told me that we prayed for her, laid hands on her, felt the virtue of God. And now... On a Wednesday night, just like tonight, the Almighty God could be trying to get the message to somebody. Somebody. We prayed for her right here two weeks ago. Somebody give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. She said to me before service, God gave me a second chance. And I'll tell you what, that second chance, use it every minute for Jesus Christ. And the blessings of the Lord will be upon you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Man. Hallelujah. Well, I don't... I don't, I don't ever start a midweek service like this, but I've been yawning ever since I got on this platform. So you're going to have to forgive me. But I want to tell you, what a conference the Holy Ghost visited this people. Let's give him praise. Let's just praise him. It was magnificent. It was off the charts. It was from another world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we we just shipped off our last person that was staying with us all week last week. We just, uh, they returned yesterday. And uh, I feel like I want to just climb into bed and not get out for three days. But that's just a little unrealistic, isn't it? Hallelujah. But it's great to be here tonight. And to feel the presence of God, and uh, it just feels good. I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. And while you're turning there, I do want to say this coming Sunday. Everybody said Sunday. Brother Daniel Ballinger, renowned blues guitar player, was on tour with B.B. King when he came in contact with this message. And he's going to be he's going to be playing guitar and singing and um giving God all the praise, and he's going to be preaching this Sunday. Be inviting people out. It's going to be a great time. And then he's also going to be preaching next Tuesday, a week from tonight. And uh, you'll have a great time. Somebody said, praise the Lord. I remember the last time, which was just about six weeks ago, Brother Daniel Ballinger was here. It was on a week that Brother Nathan Cox was gone and I will never forget the ending of that service it went on I don't think we got out of here till 10 30 11 o'clock that night and there were two circles of people with a tambourine just just simultaneously just following the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost was moving it was dynamic and powerful 
and uh, you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. Acts chapter number one, a familiar passage of scripture tonight. Verse number four. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait. That's hard for people to do. But nonetheless, it's in the Bible. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I want to talk to us uh, tonight for a few moments about Back to Basics, Part 1. But wanting to do this for quite a while. It's going to be whenever I have the opportunity to get to the pulpit. Uh, we're going to just talk about some basics. This is Part 1, Witnessing. 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 Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Oh, thank you for the opportunity to be in the church of the living God. We love you. We praise you. We worship you tonight. Give you all the praise and all the glory. Pray that the word will be a great blessing to all of us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Uh, I've really, really been feeling for quite some time that the church needs to review the basics and not just review it, but we need a fresh understanding and love for the basics. And I felt very strongly the last several days to talk about um, witnessing uh, as being an apostolic component. Ladies and gentlemen, witnessing is um, not left to the prerogative of human beings. Witnessing is a function of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Amen. And uh, I am thankful for all of the endeavors and all of the programs of this local church. Last week, um, I'm just going to hit this on the run, but um, there, there, there is so much. It would take me all service long to convey uh, the appreciation and thankfulness we have uh, for this church and members in particular that made uh, this last week a stunning example of competency and excellence in the Holy Ghost. And the reason why we know that is because there were 
um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the United States that commented on the degree of excellence and competency that this congregation manifested and sacrificed a certain spiritual excellence that was, that was tangible, it was noticeable, it was discernible. I thank God for that. Um, I thank God for that level of excellence because the spirit of excellence in this hour when sloppiness and being casual, mediocrity and being average is just kind of the norm. Uh, I appreciate very much this church's uh, desire to go to the next level. With all of the things that, the good things that are going on in this church, Sunday school and youth department and music department, discipleship, uh, ushers, on and on and on. I thank God for all of that. Even the coffee shop. How many of you are thankful for the coffee shop? Man, that's pretty good. I could use a quad shot right now, but I need it intravenously. I, I don't want to mess around with a cup. I want it, I want it in my veins, but I shouldn't say that. Throwback to my former days. Hallelujah. Back to the basics. Uh, but with all of the wonderful things and the certain spirit of excellence and the continuing, continuing onward momentum to, to grow and be what God wants us to be, there is a constant that is even more fundamental than all those things to a church, and that is soul winning. Soul winning. That means winning people to God. And uh, with all of the wonderful things that I've already enumerated and all of the great things that God is doing among us, there is one thing that this church can never back down, cannot stop, cannot take a break on, and that is winning the lost for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. This classic passage that I read in your hearing uh, tonight, Acts chapter 1, probably most Sunday school attendees could probably quote it from memory. That's how, that's how common it is among us because it is a defining scripture of being apostolic and leading up to the great uh, empowerment that is poured out on the day of Pentecost. There are some nuances about this that we want to talk about for several moments. One of them, if you will follow with me in uh, verse number four, we're going to read this, uh, and then I'm going to make some comments. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Jesus was more interested in the disciples, uh, 120 strong, Receiving the empowerment rather than evangelizing. There was already a great need. No doubt they probably, um, probably some of them already felt like we've already been eyewitnesses of his resurrection. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 said that he appeared to 500. 
There were probably some that said, you know, I need to get going. I need to go out. I need to get into the synagogue. I need to go out into the streets. I need to tell people that Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. I need to get going. But God is not interested in a halfway message. This is one of the reasons why denominationalism has clogged the arteries of American culture for the last 200 years is because they have, uh, they have quote-unquote, a partial message, but they lack the power. And I want to tell you, if you don't have the power, you don't have all the message. Because a message is not going to deliver somebody from alcoholism. Just to say that I saw Jesus and he resurrected, that's not enough for God. God wants you to have Holy Ghost power to turn this world upside down. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is, this is God's directive. God is saying, you wait. I know you think you've got something to say. I know that some of you feel like you can share something. But this is a God thing. You go back to Jerusalem and you wait. Hallelujah. And he says, you wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I want to tell you what our 21st century culture needs is an old-fashioned, tongue-talking, devil-chasing, one God, Holy Ghost revival. I am, I am not ashamed of this. I am not afraid of people's reaction to this. I'm more sold out on this than I have ever been in my life. What our world needs is the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Don't you ever forget it. Don't you think that it's just good enough to be a Christian? Don't you think it's just good enough to be a believer? What it's going to take to change our world is exactly what it took to change 2,000 years ago. A Holy Ghost baptism. All oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. That's not almost right. That's not almost right. That's 100% right. If this church is going to go to the next level, any church is going to grow and go to the next level. They're going to have to have, they're going to have that element that's from God that only God can do. You can have good people, and I thank God we've got good people. You can have good programs, and I thank God we've got good programs. You can have people that are clean and delivered, and they're just, they're just wholesome and, and, and innocent and pure, and I thank God for all of that. But what our world is needing more than anything is a Holy Ghost empowerment. A Holy Ghost that will knock them off a bar stool. In fact, we need some Holy Ghost tonight. Let's praise him.
God, we need you to come into this house. And infuse us with your strength and your power. I don't care how big this church gets. Hundreds, thousands. If Jesus delays his coming, there's no telling how big this church is going to get. I'm going to tell you that if it, if it ceases to have Holy Ghost power, then you're ceasing to be a church. This is not a rest home. This is not a daycare. Oh, somebody help me out right. Man, look at that. Man, that's pretty slick. I think I need that quad shot. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. This church was not started on some, some organization's program to start a church in a day. This church did not start because I got some little pat on the head and said, why don't you go over here? This church started because we believed in the power, the delivering power of an almighty God. God can still deliver. God can still set free. Hallelujah. I'm sold out on this. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people that are looking for a church that still believes like we believe. This thing needs a quad shot. Hallelujah. The disciples are acting on human religious thinking here. They came to Jesus in in verse number six after this and They said, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Number one, the disciples did not understand the times of the Gentiles. Romans chapter 11, verse number 25. The Apostle Paul in his parenthetical discourse in Romans 9, 10, and 11 made this statement. Romans 11, 25. the Apostle Paul, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That is the wrong scripture, but that's not your fault. It's actually looking for the scripture in Luke. That's talking about the fullness of the Gentiles. The Jews were blind to the times of the Gentiles, which was the fact that the Jews would be under Gentile rule until the Lord Jesus Christ returned after the church age or at the end of the church age. They believed that when Jesus came as their Savior, that he was going to restore the nation of Israel to preeminence in the world. They did not understand that after they were led out of Egyptian bondage and brought into a place that when they went back into idolatry and God brought major prophets to try to get them to repent, and when they would not repent, God took them into Babylon 
And when they were, went into exile, historically it's called pre-exile, exile, and post-exile. And during the exile, God determined that the nation of Israel will never be free again. That's how, that's how bad it is to become an idolater. There is only but one God. There's only one God. It's not God and a football team. It's not God and a rock star. It's not God and the almighty dollar. It's not God and something else. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I know you know that. The disciples had a skewed, still even at this point, they've been with Jesus for three and a half years. And they still did not comprehend the dynamic of the church. They were thinking this entire time, Jesus has come to save us from Roman rule. That's not what Jesus came to do. Listen to what Jesus said in verse number 7. It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Number two, they did not understand the role of the church. Mark 16, 15. We have a new guy back there. And he's doing good. There it is. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They didn't understand that. Even though it had already been said at the Great Commission, they still did not comprehend that. And then number three, they did not understand end time events and the role of Israel. Why is this so important? Because God is the one that defines our purpose. I'm going to say that again. God is the one that defines your purpose individually and our purpose corporately as the church. And this, this is an incredible view of an unregenerated yet religious mind that is trying to go off the fragmentation of an incomplete religious experience and trying to fill in the blanks and come up with their own purpose. I know some people even today, and I'm, I'm not trying to be... Um, there are some people that are into eschatology, and it's been, it's a fast, been a fascination of the church for 2,000 years, but some people, they can tell you all about Daniel's 70 years, they can tell you all about the beasts that are coming out of the sea. They can tell you who the mystery Babylon is. They're, I mean, they're into that. In my opinion, Jesus is warning us against being overly concerned about that. Uh, several years ago, I say several years ago, it was more like about eight or ten years ago, we had uh, Brother Urban Baxter. Uh, came to Spokane. It was in our other building. Uh, he he wouldn't come to our church. He did it at the hotel. 
Uh, we did it purely just to get Bible studies, uh, and I did get some Bible studies out of it. And he is one man that I know that is just immersed in end-time events and the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, and he just he's just really caught up in this. Jesus, in my opinion, in my theological opinion, Jesus is warning against that. Our purpose is far more simplistic than that. In verse number 7, he said, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons. Jesus said in Mark chapter number 13, No man knows the day or the hour. Not the angels of heaven, not even the Son of Man. And when we had, when we had Brother Baxter... And we advertised that we were doing an end-time crusade. I've never seen more quacks. I'm going to tell you, there are more quacks that are caught up with eschatology than any other aspect of theology. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be rude or cruel. I was there. You have white supremacists. The Aryan Nations claims to be a Christian group. They're a nothing group. There ain't no such thing as white supremacy. The only thing that's supreme is the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm serious. There were guys that were showing up. We had over 500 people show up at the Mirabu Park Hotel. There were guys that were showing up in, in, in military gear. There were people that were showing up that were skinheads. There were people that were showing up that were like some of the Yahwist movement that believes that Yahweh is the only name of God. We had people showing up in robes. We had people showing up in all kinds of different garbs. Why? Because there are some people that have a fascination with eschatology, which is uh, the doctrine of prophecy, the doctrine of end time events. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not where the church is supposed to be interested. The church is supposed to have revival. The church is supposed to be willing the lost. The church is supposed to be building the kingdom. I'm not looking to get out of here. I'm looking to do as much damage as I can. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Hallelujah. Jesus said, you can, you can wonder about this stuff all you want. It's not for you to know. It is not going to be revealed to you. Just get busy. Do what you're supposed to do. You know, what people don't understand is, is the fullness of Gentiles. Most historic eschatologists believed that it was a time sequence, which is why they had these big panoramic uh, murals and they would have everything in its place and they would try to chronologically try to guess a date. People have been trying to guess a date for years. 88 reasons. There was a man by the name of Harold Camping um, that predicted that Jesus was going to return several years ago. They spent millions on a nationwide advertising campaign saying that Jesus was going to return. Guess what? Jesus hadn't come back yet. 
How do I know that? Because you and I are still here. Let's just, they don't understand that the fullness of the Gentiles is a numerical value. It's a numerical value that's only known to the Father. Not even the Son of Man knows the prerogative of the Father of what that numerical value. It's numerical. It has nothing to do with time. So we are affecting our own departure. Now, if you want to sit around and be here a lot longer, don't win souls. But if you want to get out of here sooner, are you getting this? I'm, I'm having a little fun here, kind of a little parody. But if we win souls and we get to that number, I do not know what that number is. Only God does. It's the completion. It's the fullness of the Gentiles. But it is a number. It is a number that is only known to the Father. It is a number in which no man can number. But only the Father knows. If we'll just get down and have revival and keep living separated and live godly and live holy and be witnesses, we will please God. Clap your hands and give him praise. A couple years ago, uh, there was somebody in this church said, Pastor, uh, I don't agree with your stance on the rapture. I said, okay, so what? Well, I believe I'm going through the tribulation. I said, you can be here all by yourself if you want to. And what these guys don't realize is there's just as many scriptures if you want to try to twist them to prove they're going to be after, as there is people saying we're going into pre-tribulation rapture. I have a preference. <laughs> Honey, I don't even care if I'm sitting way back by the bathroom in that plane. Just get me out of here. All I know is when that trumpet sounds, I want to be living right. I want to be doing right. I want to be in the will of God. I want to be a witness. That's all he asked is to be a witness. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. He said to wait, because when people don't wait, they fill in the blanks. He said, it's not for you to know which the Father has put in his own power. That word power there is not dunamis, it's exousi. It means authority. But you shall receive dunamis. The very next verse. You shall receive dunamis power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus is not looking for a witness that is empty. Jesus is not looking for a witness that is religious. Jesus is not looking for a witness that simply just reads their Bible and attends church every Sunday. Nothing wrong with those things. But he wants a witness that is Holy Ghost power. When people pull on the parking lot of this church, I want them to start feeling something. When people come in the door, I want them to start feeling something. When people go to the prayer room, I want people to feel something. When the music, when the worship starts, I want them to feel something. When the preaching goes forth, I want them to feel something. 
It's Holy Ghost power. This is all Jesus is asking of us. He's not asking you to do something you cannot do. problem is, well, it's probably multifaceted, but there's a level, you know, we can get so used and so familiar with the things of God that we, we begin to articulate a level of, of professionalism. I mean, we can learn how to talk in tongues. We can learn how to go to church. We can le- learn how to play church. I don't want, I don't want that. I'll take every trial, I'll take every tribulation, but I gotta have that real power. I gotta have him. I gotta have his presence. I gotta have his person. I gotta have that glory. I could go I could go way out on this on this right here. This is why all the human attempts that are trying to reach the world, if it's not spiritually generated. And spiritually engendered, that's why it's not happening. There was an entire generation up here in the Northwest. Oh, I don't even need to go here. But there was a whole generation in the Northwest that we that lost an entire generation of young people. And I don't mean that they went to the world. Some of them did. But some became world-class missionaries. You want to know why? Because they didn't believe they could have revival right here. And so what God's doing in this generation is he's importing people. He's not waiting for another generation to be lost. I'm here to tell you this state's going to have revival. I'm here to tell you Idaho's going to have revival. I'm here to tell you Canada's going to have revival. The bigger they are, the harder they're going to fall. That giant's already starting to wobble. That giant is already starting to stagger. And when he gets on the ground, we're going to spit on him and cut his head off. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. God's not waiting on an organization. God's not waiting on a boardroom. God's waiting on somebody that has the power of the Holy Ghost. If it's something you can do, it's never going to happen. That's why it hasn't happened. God said, I'll furnish the power. I'll furnish the glory. I'll furnish the supernatural. This precious, this precious woman over here that was healed of cancer, I've never seen her before in my life. God's got people all over this city. God, I want you to send them here. If you're going to send them anywhere, send them right here in Liberty Lake. We'll love them. We'll pray with them. We'll anoint them. Come on, somebody. It's Holy Ghost power. I can care less about the American dream. I want an old-time 21st century revival. Oh, somebody clap your hand to give him praise. 
you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. You're not witnesses to the world. You're not witnesses to your family. You're not witnesses to the World Council of Churches. You're witnesses unto me. And it's, you're not only going to be a witness locally, you're going to be a witness globally. This is God's entire methodology for end time revival right here. We need the Holy Ghost. I thank God for what we have. God, God has been so gracious to us. God has been so good to us. But I want more. I want more. I want more. And I know how to get, I, I, I think I know how to get more. But let's lift our hands and say, God, I want more. I want more. I want to feel that witness again. I want to feel that desire again. I want to feel that burning fire shot up in my bones to tell somebody. The word witness means a martyr. The direct translation of the word witness means a martyr, a person who willingly suffers death rather than renounce their faith. The idea of a witness is closely tied with your testimony. Your testimony is what God has done for you personally. Let's just lift our hands and pray here for a second. I'm already coming down the home stretch. really doesn't matter how much we know. I thank God for higher education. I'm even trying to pursue something, but that, that's not what it takes to have revival. In fact, I was talking to Dr. Jeremy Wilbanks. He's about to become, get his Ph.D. in biblical hermeneutics from the Assembly of God Seminary in Springfield, Missouri. And um, I was telling him, I said, we've known each other for years. And I said, you know, Brother Wilbanks, there is nothing more that we need beyond God enablement and the whole counsel of God to get the job done. Let me, let me get more specific. There are some that think that we need more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that. We need to become more polished. We need all, all this. I want to tell you that the power of the Holy Ghost in the church is all sufficient. If we would have needed more, God would have given it to us. 
There's a human resistance to this because we love, we, we love the sense of accomplishment of thinking that I'm doing something else and I have this. We don't need that. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'm not preaching against it. But I'm going to tell you, when God gave you the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's all you need to go to heaven. That's all you need to walk on the street to go. If you'll follow its lead and hear its voice. I'm telling you, God is all sufficient. The apostles' doctrine is all sufficient. It's all we need to go in the rapture. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you the truth tonight. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, if I could say it this way, this is a very poor illustration, but please forgive me. The Holy Ghost is on autopilot when it goes into your life. When the Holy Ghost moves into your life, as long as you will follow its lead, it, will, it is designed to make you an overcomer. It is designed to make you an overcomer. That's why we don't resist the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't grieve the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't quench the Holy Ghost. Because that is your ticket out of here. You don't need a degree from a Bible college. You don't need a handshake from somebody. You don't need a preacher's card. What you've got to have is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's all sufficient. And as God begins to change your life, your testimony will get bigger. And to some of you that have messed up, I knew it was going to get quiet. That's okay. It needs to get quiet. You see, what your flesh wants you to think is that when you mess up, you lost your testimony. The Bible said they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb. Now, what is the blood of the Lamb for? When you mess up, if we confess our sins, your testimony keeps going. Come on, somebody. Devil, you might have had yesterday, but you can't have tomorrow. You ain't going to have next week. You're not going to have next month. You are not going to have 2019. You're not going to have. I'm going to be a witness of the power of the Holy Ghost. Clap your hands and lift your voice in Jesus' name. I'm not saying that anybody should ever mess up. But when you do, Peter. Abraham, Samson, you're adding character to your testimony. Well, I was raised on a pew, never smoked, never drank, never stepped on a crack in a sidewalk. I'm boring. But I like the testimony that said, 
I could have smoked, but I didn't want to. I could have drank, but I didn't want to. I could have backslid, but God kept me. I got a prayer life. I got a conviction. I got to walk with God. Oh, come on, somebody. That's the Holy Ghost. But it's the same Holy Ghost that said, I messed up, but I found a place to repent. And I overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Let's lift our voice and give him great praise. God's raising up an army that can look at this world and said, if I made it, you can make it. If God saved me, God will save you. God will use failures. God will use mistakes. God will use immorality. Why? A couple things, and I'm, I'm coming to a close. I got, I've got several pages of notes, but I feel like being so extemporaneous right now. When I walk into an apostolic church, ladies and gentlemen, there is more power in that group of people than the power that was taking me to hell. And you want to know why a lot of people aren't having revival? It's because they are so worldly, the well has got dirt in it. You ain't going to have revival if you ain't got more power than the devil has. But he gave you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the manner of the enemy. When people come in Cornerstone and they say, I messed up. I don't even know who my parents are. I was raised by some lesbians. I've been on drugs since I was 16. Welcome home. There's enough power to knock that devil out of you. There's enough power to put you on a rock. I wouldn't be here today if there wasn't enough power to keep me delivered. Come on, some of you, it's time to be a witness again. God is not done with you. See, what happens is, over the course of your being developed by God, God works on all the big stuff. And then God starts fine-tuning you. That's the stuff that nobody can see except you and God and the devil. If we're not careful, when God starts working on that interior stuff, we'll shut down. Our joy juice will quit flowing because of the cues of our brethren moves in. But the accuser of the brethren understands the power of the blood. Yeah, I, I've got to get this across. God's been, God's been talking to me about this. I, you, I'm telling you, the thing that keeps your testimony alive is not your perfection. It is the power of the blood. The power of the blood. The power of the blood. When the devil says, you ain't got no business to run, you just say, it's under the blood. You ain't got no business to shout. It's under the blood. You ain't got no business to lift your hand. It's under the blood. You got no business preaching. It's under the blood. You got no business testifying. It's under the blood. 
It's time to get back to the basics. You've got a testimony that this world needs. Just this last week, somebody was telling me about a quote-unquote apostolic church that the pastor got up and forbade the congregation to speak in tongues. Honey, that's not apostolic. No, I'm going to say that loud and clear. I'm not saying this for your, necessarily for your benefit. I want the devil to know. We're not going that direction. You might be ashamed. My God, I wouldn't be standing here tonight if it wasn't for the power of an almighty God and a preacher that wasn't afraid to preach and a church that wasn't afraid to love me. There's some pastors getting up that are quote-unquote apostolic. We're not going to have demonstrative worship. Why not, pastor? It scares the visitors. Scares the visitors. Finally, when you get it all down, and now the visitors are in control. Now we're not doing it to get God's blessing. Now we're doing it so we don't scare the visitors away. Honey, if you get scared away, I don't want to see anybody leave, but I am not going to disappoint God. God, you just come on over here. There's a hallelujah here. This preacher's not afraid to run. This pastor's not afraid to shout. This pastor's not afraid. You just come on over here. They don't want you down there. We'll take you up here. These are the same kind of churches that think are... Our holiness standards, uh, that's the wrong phraseology, I know. Or our separation is keeping us from having revival. Honey, our separation isn't keeping us from having revival. Our separation got us in our fourth building and is going to get us into number five. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And now the relationship begins. God is not asking us to be popular in the communities. He's not asking us to be mean and have a chip on our shoulder against the city either. There's a lot of men that can't have revival because they're mad. You got to be glad. I'm not upset that I'm separated. I'm glad I'm separated. Well, nobody wants this. Look around you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God's got hundreds of people he's sending here. God's got people from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west that are looking for real, old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival. I tell moms and dads in this church, you want your backslidden kids to pray through? 
start worshiping God. If they think they got to go out and do drugs to have more joy than their mom and dad. I'm not, I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm just being very spiritually common sense here. If your kids think that going to church is sitting there with a, with a, with a, a scowl on your face, they're going to say, I don't want that. But honey, when the power of God falls and hands are lifted and there's joy in every heart, it's unstoppable. You can't stop an apostolic church that has the joy of the Lord. It'll pull people out of drugs. It'll pull people out of gangs. It'll pull people out of... The only reason why Rick Mayo is still in the church today is because there's more power in me than there was power that had me. Well, I can't preach everything. You've got to have more power than a football game if you're ever going to deliver people whose God is sport. You've got to have more power than Hollywood. See, the reason why they're not preaching these things anymore is because their power level has, go- has been reduced. When your power level reduces, you can no longer proclaim that God can deliver anybody. You can no longer proclaim that God can completely change your lifestyle. Pastor, what are you getting at? I'm getting at to be witnesses. All that's needed is the Holy Ghost. month it's going to be 25 years here in Spokane I'll never forget my precious wife and I we um, we had a 700 square foot office suite it was our first it was our first sanctuary we paid $500 a month for 700 square feet that was 25 years ago we needed a prayer room so we got an attendant just across the hallway was a, an office or a, an empty office, and we needed it as a prayer room in a Sunday school class. Sister Sheila Gro was our very first Sunday school teacher. Thank you, Sister Sheila, for helping. We had some new converts. And I started talking to them about going to the prayer room. And I'll never forget, the next Sunday, there's four or five that new people that were sitting there in the, in the prayer room. And it was as quiet as a church mouse. And my wife and I, we already made up our minds that we're not, we're not expecting these people to know how to do anything. And so we're just going to be what we are and who we are. I remember, I remember praying in that prayer room and opening up one eye 
And the guy said, yeah, that's right, brother. What's all that about, preacher? I remember when it came to worship. I remember my wife and I jumping up and down and worshiping God and praising God like I still do tonight. It's a witness. It's a witness. I remember when it came to taking up an offering. In obedience to the word of God, giving an offering. It was a witness. I'm really glad that there's a lot of folks that are coming to this church now. But I'm here to look right at you and tell you your greatest day is still ahead of you. We have not seen our greatest day. And I am not going to ask you to do one thing that I will not do myself. Don't get nervous. No, when we first got here, there were people that were rude to us. They didn't want a Holy Ghost church. <laughs> oh, they're that, they're that kind of apostolic. What other kind is there? I only know one kind. I only know one kind of God, and that's the one that can completely deliver. Some of you are sitting here tonight... Because God has brought you out, God is keeping you out, and God plans on taking you all the way if you let him. I'm, I'm done. I, I've got a whole nother page of notes. But you've been so patient with me tonight anyway that I'm just going to give you a break. I'm going to take, ladies and gentlemen... The Holy Ghost is telling us, just go get it. I have never seen people more receptive to a testimony, a witness, a church card, an invite. I'm, I'm going to tell you, my wife's sitting right here. I've had people slam doors in my face. People to almost threaten to get a gun. Mom, the preacher's here. Tell him to go away. I knock doors every Saturday morning, bless your heart. I discovered you can't do it. You can't win souls on weeknights. People in Spokane won't open their doors. So I started going on Saturday mornings. My wife went with me. Knocked on thousands of doors. How many people came to church out of that? Hardly any. But because God saw our desire and our passion, we began to reap where we sowed not. This is not about me. This is not that I've done anything great. This is not about me at all. I'm trying to tell you that we, I'm telling you, this church has pushed back darkness. We have challenged the forces of this region. And I'm telling you, there are people that are waiting on you. There's people waiting on you. There's people waiting on you. There's people that will come. If you'll just invite them. If you'll just talk to them. If you'll just... Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise.
It's time to come out of the bunkers. It's time to come out of the closet. It's, everybody else is coming out of the closet. It's time for the church to come out of the closet. I just love telling this story. Some of you have heard this story so many times. Talk about, I'm telling you, I'm, te- I'm telling you. The devil wants to get you so wrapped up in, in this, this complicated, convoluted story of your life that you forget that it's the simplicity of Christ. And we end up frustrating the grace of God. Because God is more interested in you being a witness. And the devil knows if I can get this person all just all he said and she said and they said they don't like me, she doesn't like me, they don't like me. If I'm gonna like them, I can't like them and 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 I don't know who to trust. That's not God. Just love everybody. You try. You're not gonna please everybody. I can't please everybody. But you can be what God wants you to be, and God will just navigate your steps right through the middle of that problem like he did to Jesus when they were going to throw him over the hill. Jesus moved right through that group of people. There are people that are waiting on you and waiting on your witness if it's in the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. God, help us. I was going to talk about the great door of utterance. I'll talk about that another week, but there's got to be enough. There's got to be some spiritual things happen for that to take place. But let's pray. God, allow there to be a divine intersection. By the authority of the name of Jesus, lead me to hungry people. Lead me to tired people. Lead me to people that are sick of the bondage and the lash of the whip. Lead me to people that are sick of Egypt. Lead me to people that are hungry for God. Lead me to people that are tired of this world and looking for reality. Come on, lift your voice. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'm telling you, the next level for Cornerstone, there is no end. There is no no numerical end to this thing. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Come on, let's pray. Father, open up the window of heaven. Pour out the Holy Ghost afresh, afresh, afresh. Why don't you lay your hand over on the shoulder, brother to brother and sister to sister. Let's pray for one another right now. By the authority of the name of Jesus. God, lead me, guide me. God, forgive me for being so wrapped up. I've become so entangled with the things of this life. God's ready to fill this building up. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, open up the windows of heaven. God, I want to be feeling that old-time feeling again like I used to feel it, God. In the coffee shop, in the store, in the mall, on the job, in your school, in the cafeteria. My God, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. 
You haven't lost your testimony. Get, get it back under the blood. Get it back under the blood. That blood is a guarantee that that testimony will be intact until the day of the rapture. One last time, let's lift our hands and let's praise him together. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Come on, lift your voice with me. God, we love you. We praise you. God, I want to see people in this world that you died for. God, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available. I'm available, God. I'm available. I'm available. There are so many stories all over this audience of people that's been like a, a Cornelius experience. I'm going to tell you, God has people like that all over this metroplex. But after God talked to Cornelius, he had to talk to his preacher that argued with God. He said, God, not so. Nope. Nope. God is talking to people all over this world. The Spirit of God is striving with men. When God can get their attention, God's got somebody he's going to send to them. I want it to be me. I want it to be you. Pastor, I think God wants to greatly use me. Everything that God will do will be an extension of you being a witness. Bible trained, seminary trained preachers is not the will of God. I'm not saying going to seminary is wrong, but you better have an anointing before you go to seminary. That is exactly part of the problem that we have. And then they try to reformat the doctrine because... Pastor, I think I'm called to preach. I'm with you. But everything is going to be an outgrowth of being a witness. Pastor, I feel like I'm supposed to do something. I feel like I'm supposed to be a, be a missionary. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be that. I'm supposed to be an administrator in the church. It all starts with being a witness. Nobody escapes that. Nobody. Nobody. It's so organic. It's so spiritually accurate. It keeps motive and it keeps future right on track. Let's lift our hands and give him praise one more time. God, sweep over this audience and empower, empower. I'm not ashamed of this. My God, are you kidding me? I wasn't ashamed walking around town with bleach white hair and go-go boots. Why would I be ashamed of this? You weren't ashamed of dealing pot and doing some of the shady deals you were doing. Why would we be ashamed of this now? 
Maybe there's somebody here tonight that wants to take this to the next level. There's an altar. There's an altar. This altar is open. If you want to come and pray, talk to God, spend some time with Jesus.